What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Empower Podcast. Um, so we have another special guest with us today. This is my good friend, Barry Evans. Um, Barry and I actually went to school together at San Diego State. Um, you may have heard me mention him on uh, previous episodes with uh, with our guests, Jacob Freeland or Kane uh, Shepard. So we've all worked together for a while. Um, Barry started the club that we kind of were all a part of, and he currently works at... Um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and let you explain and uh, give your background and, and what you're currently doing, Barry. Sure. Yeah, so currently, just for the past few months, I've joined Naughty Dog uh, as a technical artist. Before that, I was at Sony uh, PlayStation in San Diego uh, as a associate graphics programmer. Um, and before that, at a little niche, like, creative department inside of Sony as a technical artist. So I've been kind of all over the spectrum with that. Awesome, man. And um, so the cool thing about Barry, um, always pretty inspiring to me. He's, I think he's kind of a genius <laughs> with the, the kind of the stuff he does. Um, but uh, you, you actually got your position uh, before even graduating, right? Do you, like I don't think I ever found out exactly how that happened. Can you kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never gotten into a job the like designed way to get in i always come in the back door um but yeah how that happened was actually a pretty fun story um so it, there's a long chain as with getting any job there's a long chain of events that kind of led to it but essentially we had been doing the game development club for a while um and the dude at san diego state who sean sean hose um you probably know him byron um, he is like the, uh, he runs the ITS department at state. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was doing a, uh, kind of like a symposium or like a convention type thing, uh, where some people from industry would come, uh, and, uh, some educators would come and then there were a select few students that came, um, and he asked me to speak at it. Um, so I spoke about, I believe I was speaking about AR, um, and education um, because I had done an internship at, at a VR AR ad agency so I kind of was in that space mm -hmm. at the time um, and also at that convention was a uh, it was a vice president from DreamWorks and a uh, director uh, of that creative agency inside of PlayStation um, so I did the talk after the talk, I was, um, standing at one of those like belly bar tables, uh, chatting with some of the other students. And first the DreamWorks guy comes up to me. He's like, Hey, here's my card. Let's chat. I'm like, Oh yeah, nice DreamWorks. Uh, I'm totally going to hit this guy up and you know, maybe I'll get a job at DreamWorks. And then the PlayStation guy comes over and he's like, uh, we need to do some AR stuff. Would you like to work for PlayStation? And <laughs> I said yes, <laughs> and that's that's how it went. That's how it went. Um, you know, you gotta take those when opportunities like that come. You just gotta take them. Um, so I took that opportunity, uh, and yeah, since then, it, you know, it's been I've just kind of been moving laterally, laterally within the PlayStation umbrella. Dude, that is absolutely awesome, and. Like, you weren't even expecting that thing to come your way. You were just at a, you did a talk, 
and then there were people there and then they were offered you a job on the spot um how did you end up doing that talk like what were the things that led to you being in that position yeah it's like i said it's kind of a domino effect so the myself and a few other people in my class so nate dank um kevin doe those guys uh, nate's at psionics now kevin's at twitch um, we wanted to make a space for game developers uh, at San Diego State because there was none. There were no classes. There was no type of games education there. So that's why we created the Aztec Game Lab. Um, and through that, uh, like I mentioned, we needed a space for the club to meet. Um, so we kind of just reached out to different departments. Um, and Sean at ITS, he was also in a position where he wanted to, like, he had some VR equipment um, that he wanted to use to, um, like, link teachers up with students who could help them create applications for their classes, like, astronomy professor could mm -hmm. have a VR app. Uh, I know some people worked on that. So that's the type of stuff. So it was kind of mutually beneficial for him to give us a place for the club to stay and we could also help him um, because we'd have students filtering through to help out make apps for these professors. So um, that's how I met Sean uh, was through the club. And then he and like I said, I also happened to work in an at an air place. So it's all like very freak circumstance that I ended up at that convention on that day. But yeah, it's as with any of this stuff, it's a mix of being prepared and being like a tiny bit lucky. Uh, and then just seizing it. Man, that is, that's so cool, man. Um, and honestly, to me, it almost feels like you manifested that opportunity in a way because of um, kind of the way you are. Um, you took it out. You took it upon yourself and your classmates to actually, you know, um, create the club. And obviously, you seeked internships, and um, basically, you're doing all the right things. Sure, but there's definitely some luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but a, a big part of it is that it's not just luck, but you have to be prepared for when that luck happens, right? Precisely. Yeah. So it, it um, I think the saying is success is where preparation meets opportunity. And yes. you're, you're a prime example of that. And I love one, one of the distinctions is that you were looking to get into game development and there was no game development program. There was no club. And instead of you saying, oh, there's no club, I'm just not going to do it, you and some friends actually went out and created it. Like, mm -hmm. what was your thought process to go from, like, okay, this is what we want to do. Like, when you start something, you're, you're beginning it from scratch. Like, what was that process for you? <laughs> uh, it was mostly born out of frustration, um, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Uh, it, the main two folks who started this thing up were myself, like, like initially was myself um, and Nathan Dank. Um, Nathan is ridiculous. That guy is like super high capacity for work and he's super smart. Um, so I met him. I just happened to meet him in a like like entry level computer science class where he was writing a game engine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he was sitting in the back of the class, not paying attention, writing a game engine. Um, and at the at the time I was doing OpenGL stuff and writing a game engine. So we would chat uh, about that. And uh, 
we just kind of had this mutual frustration with <laughs> with our with our uh <laughs> our university that there was nothing there's no place for us to learn about game development um and even though we kind of knew that we were going to be the the only people who cared about engine programming and that type of thing uh when we started this community um you know it was just it would have just been nice to have more people to chat with mm-hmm. about this stuff um so yeah that was kind of that was the inception of it and one day i think one day nate offhand was like hey we should get some people together and do a club uh and then i think that's when he brought in kevin uh, and kevin did kevin was ridiculous he did all the like crazy paperwork stuff and like made flyers and it just exploded from there and i'm actually very uh surprised but like super happy that it's still going pretty strong nowadays too i visited like a couple weeks ago and they're doing really well dude that's awesome and then you created this club and obviously it's successful now like what are the things that you the foundations that you set to help it survive even after you left right so that was the tough part we actually weren't thinking that far ahead at the time um but Kind of the the most important thing uh, to keep the club going that I've that I've seen um, just watching it uh, organically grow and continue is to have someone it has to be at least one person who is passionate about games and is also passionate about helping other people um, and luckily we've had that person come up and and take the reins for the each year that um after we left so kane did that you you byron and and kane did that uh, when i left and um kane kind of helped to foster that in some more people um when he was the president and now liz is doing an awesome job liz and um Allie are doing a great job doing that too so it's just as long as there's somebody who cares about games and cares about helping other folks um, then that, that's really what matters. The format of the club can change. Um, the content of the club can change, but you just need that person who cares to keep it going. Dude, that's awesome. And then, like, switching gears a little bit, I know one of the things that you mentioned is your current role and the roles that you've held are, like, tech animator. For those listeners who don't know what a tech animator does... Would you mind explaining, kind of in layman's terms, what is the importance of a tech artist? Yeah, so tech, so it's tech art, not tech animation. So uh, it's, <laughs> I think tech art is the most overloaded, overused term uh, <laughs> in game development. It can mean so many different things. Um, but me specifically, um, I'm a general tech artist. So I'm, I work on, specifically for my studio, I work on Python tools. Sometimes I work on pipeline tools. Um, I work on shaders. Um, I probably lean most toward the shader TD role, but, um, you know, whatever needs to be done. Like <laughs> anything that bridges the gap between programming and art 
that's that's what I take care of. So even stuff like um, making sure the game's in budget, like on The Last of Us 2, I spent a lot of time playing through the game, um, figuring out where the game's over budget and why it's over budget, and then communicating that to art. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, telling them what, telling them why nicely why they need to make their art look a little bit worse so that the game can run smoothly, you know? Um, that's my job also. Um, but yeah, it's the main thing is being that bridge between uh, art and programming and being able to talk both of their languages. Um, can you explain a little bit more? Like, how did you get into tech art? Um, you mentioned you had that internship working in the AR space, right? Um, was that kind of what got you started? Like, what, what did you do there? And like, what, what, what contents of your presentation like really got DreamWorks' attention as well as Sony's? Um, I think um, it actually started much, my like passion for tech art started much before college. Mm -hmm. um, even like back in middle school, I was writing shaders in Unity, <laughs> um, just like tinkering. Um, yeah, like I remember back in the day, <laughs> uh, like my parents, are very grateful, my parents bought me a laptop as a kid. Um, and I just remember sitting on the couch hours, hours and hours looking up Unity tutorials and writing shaders and banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how things worked. Um, and at the time, I didn't know what tech art was. Um, I just knew that I liked writing shaders and making things look pretty in, uh, in Unity. Uh, and even into high school, I kept doing the same things in college. I didn't know what tech art was. I thought I wanted to be a graphics programmer. Um, that's why I was writing a game engine um, in college. Um, but, uh, yeah, it turns out there's there's kind of a line between tech art and graphics programming, uh, and I didn't know where I wanted to fall. I, I was a graphics programmer at Sony, um, and that is, it's way more, uh, it's, it's less of the, like, fun stuff in my opinion you know uh it's it's more of like setting up the infrastructure for things and you know the nitty-gritty of talking to the computer and the drivers and stuff but you know um how i realized i wanted to do tech art i don't know i don't know if i'm answering the question anymore but uh is just i i got rid of the notion of I want to be a that graphics programmer that i've been hanging on to and i just focused on what i actually like doing which is the making this stuff pretty part. Uh, and, and that's how I landed on the kind of shader TD tech artist role. Did that answer the question? Uh, yeah, that was, that was extremely okay. helpful. Yeah. That's, that's impressive, man, that you've been working in unity. What version of unity did you start with? Oh, <laughs> it was before unity five, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> um, it was back when they didn't let you blit to render textures. So, so you had to buy unity pro to be able to do image effects. So they were actually gating features behind a paywall back then. Yeah. Um, before they realized that they were going to get killed by unreal if they didn't open up. <laughs> yeah. So while that is, that's really cool, man. And, um, by the time you got to college, you were just kind of. You knew there wasn't a game dev program, but um, so were you just kind of, you were just doing it on your own? Were there, there were game classes, right, in, in state, or? There are two. Um, 
I think the advanced class was bootstrapped while I was there. Okay. Um, so, I mean, there's not a great game program, and the class is, it doesn't go, you can't really go in depth mm-hmm. uh, into game development in a single class, especially yeah. programming. So, it was a good, like, taste of game development. It might, <laughs> like, <laughs> it might get you started, but yeah, it's not a, not a game dev program. Can you kind of go into, like, because I've had similar frustrations with uh, my program and the path that I wanted to take. Can you kind of explain um, what were some gaps that you that you perceived that m- maybe you wished that they had covered more in the program? <laughs> gaps. Uh, more of a chasm. Um, so, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> oh, I knew this was going to be a good question for Barry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it seems like he's going to be, oh, he's got a book. <laughs> he's got a book and he's putting his headset back on. Okay, this is going to be deep. So, be deep. <laughs> so I, I didn't go into a game development program at my university, so I should have expected that. that that's, it's okay that they didn't teach me game dev stuff. But, um, yeah, most of the things that I didn't get in my most of the things I didn't get in my university, I was able to get from this guy. And I know you guys, I know I've mentioned this freaking book to you. This is my favorite book. Uh, it's Game Engine Architecture by Jason Gregory. I'm actually lucky enough to work with Jason now at Naughty Dog. Um, super cool guy. Super smart. Um, but yeah, this book covers... It, it's an engine programming book, but all of the concepts in this book i think anybody who's going into a technical uh like a technical field in game development should understand this stuff mm-hmm. uh it's everything from like how game engines allocate memory to like how asset management works and like how uh you know the build pipeline works uh, and a lot of people don't realize that all game engines like commercial game engines have these parts, but they just don't know about them because they're never exposed to them. Uh, it just makes you a better developer knowing this stuff. Um, so I was lucky enough to come across this book. I think Nate introduced me to it. Um, and this has, like, it filled the gaps. It filled that chasm for me. Um, so it's really hard to tell you what gaps there were because it just was non-existent. There was no games education really gotcha yeah that's cool so for for the listeners that are out there and that don't see this book it looks like a dictionary (laughs) and it looks like it's several thousands of pages long and there must be a wealth of information in there and I'm, i'm wondering barry now that you have the info from that book are there any other resources online tutorials anything that can give the depth of knowledge and wisdom that comes from that book um yeah i mean you can learn this stuff from tons of like there are tons of tutorials and youtube videos and stuff um that give kind of bits and pieces um but i especially like this book because uh it doesn't it it still kind of scratches the surface but it goes into everything at once you know it's got everything that you need to get started uh, this is also just scratching the surface. <laughs> There's a lot, 
a lot past this, but yeah, I I prefer I always refer this book to people because it's got everything in the same place, um, and you're not going to get piecemeal for for a long time. Um, just trying to learn this stuff, I used tutorials, I used YouTube videos. Um, the probably the most informative uh, pieces were like write-ups or research papers. Yeah. Um, which I usually have to read four or five times before I actually get it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, for someone who's just starting off, I know a lot of your viewership is people who are trying to break in. I would say just pick some chapters and read them. You're going to learn something. Um, you're going to learn something, I think. I, I reread this book every now and again um obviously not cover to cover but there are things that i pick up in here that i didn't get the first time around and one of the things that i, I want to touch on is like in order for you to get through that book that's like a massive book i know that you have to have some sort of internal motivation to do that right like mm -hmm. nobody's forcing nobody's holding a gun to your head to read this book what is it about you internally that makes you want to consume this information? Um, I mean, it's not something magical, you know? I just think it's interesting. <laughs> it's like, as a kid, I hated reading uh, fiction. I hated, like, the fantasy books and stuff. Mm. It was boring to me. It's like, I don't care what Harry Potter's up to, you know? How, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Uh, I just think this is this stuff is interesting. It's fun to me. Um, it's fun to me to know the inner workings of a uh, you know heap allocator and that type of stuff. It just it's just cool. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's a terrible answer, but uh... no, no, not at all. Um, and part of uh, another kind of follow up question to that is one. It sounds like you just followed what is naturally interesting to you, kind of like. After you taste something, you know what types of foods you like and dislike, right? For these activities, you naturally knew that you liked them for uh, versus disliking them. And then going into like starting a club from scratch, obviously there were challenges in there, right? Mm -hmm. What were the things that helped propel you to come across all of these challenges and then overcome them? Because I can understand, I can, I can only imagine how frustrating it is to build a club from scratch, right? Mm -hmm. What were the things, what were the challenges that you had to overcome and, and how did you overcome them? Challenges we had to overcome in building the club. Um, let's see. I mean, the most challenging bit, honestly, was the garbage clerical stuff that we had to get past the red <laughs> tape with the university. I think, you know what, I think the first semester that we operated... Uh, we weren't actually a club. We were not an official club, um, but we still had like a good amount of people turning out, uh, and you it was actually <laughs> it was actually pretty. It was not very hard <laughs> making that club because turns out there were a ton of people like us who um, needed a space to talk about video game development. Um, but um, yeah. The, I mean, the biggest challenge, apart from that, um, probably was figuring out um, what, 
like people came there with the idea that like in this club you know i'm gonna learn something or i'm gonna get better at game dev or i'm gonna make a video game um and we were also students who were also trying to learn things about game dev and figure things out but we were also trying to like provide this education that the university didn't have um so the hardest part is figuring out what people wanted and and how to deliver <laughs> that i think yeah. Uh, and I think that's still a challenge for them um, because some people want to do workshops and like be told this is how you use Unity or whatever. Some people just want to, uh, uh, and people have different skill levels. Um, so some people just want to sit down and grind out a game the entire semester. Um, so that was definitely, I think, I think Kane is the one who hit the sweet spot with that though. <laughs> Uh, they started making games like for the entire semester, um, start to finish, make a game, and I think that's the best way to go about it. Like, you can you can sit down and watch as many tutorials as you want, you can listen to as many talks as you want, but until you get in, you can read as many books as you want, but until you get in front of the computer um, and you make something, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you're not internalizing it until you sit down and make the art or type out the code yeah that's that's so true i remember being a part of the club and kind of seeing that that turning point there's a point where like you and nate were still students but were really busy working so it was hard to attend the club as much yeah. and there was a point where i remember attending gdc and after coming back from gdc i'm like kane we got to make some games he's like i'm with you dude and yeah. so then i remember we talked to like nate and he's just like hey can we just like can we just start making games like i know that you're pretty busy we don't know as much as you do but we'd love to just start getting something together and he's just like yeah fuck yeah do it man like i'm pretty busy like thanks for stepping up so mm -hmm. yeah i can definitely see the challenge in 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 <laughs> running the club yep yeah you, you guys killed it with that and like I know that you've talked a lot about what are the things that you actually did to get you to where you are now. What are some of the sacrifices that you had to make? Because obviously we only have a certain amount of time, right? And sometimes you have to choose between like game development versus parties, right? Or like, what are some of those things that you had to consciously say, you know what, I'm going to put this activity on the side or on the back burner so that I can focus on game development. Did you have anything like that? Yes. So I was lucky that I started doing this early before I actually had responsibilities. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it takes a lot of time to learn this stuff and to actually sit, you know, get sat in front of the keyboard and do it. Um, so like I said, I spent a lot of time on my parents couch working on learning this stuff and um i spent a lot of time not doing my college homework <laughs> and working on this <laughs> stuff <laughs> go to college do your homework uh but but not too much <laughs> you know Drop focus out. on this focus on the stuff that you really care about um because that's what's going to matter um so one of the sacrifices yeah like i was a a student in high school I was an AB student in my early college years, and then by my by my fifth year in college, I was like, "C's are good enough," you know. <laughs> I I already work at Sony. 
I've already proved myself, you know, I can get by as long as I understand this stuff. Um, that's, that's really important. Um, you know, who cares if I get a C in world history, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> so, so, so wait a second. I want you to confirm right now that when the person from PlayStation and DreamWorks, when they approached you, they had zero idea what your grades were. Is that right? right. Okay. They didn't okay. care. <laughs> they didn't care because you showed up to this conference. You did a talk on something that you were passionate about. And from there, they said, you know what? We know everything we need to know about Barry to offer him a job. So listen out there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That passion and the leadership in particular that I think Barry showed by doing a talk, because it takes courage to do a talk, right? To make a presentation, put yourself in front of a crowd and discuss something where everybody's all eyeballs on you. Um, so with that being said, what are some pieces of advice that you would give to aspiring game developers out there? Mm-hmm. Um, the, f- the first piece of advice I always give is that, um, there's no such thing as good advice. There's no <laughs> such thing as good advice. Everything is relative. Um, and everything is based on your circumstances. Um, so when you're making these decisions for yourself, you need to just consider your your position um, and do what you think is going to put you uh, in that position where you're prepared, but you're also you know putting yourself in positions where you might get lucky, you know, um, putting yourself out there. Um, so yeah, just just <laughs> besides that, um, some advice that I can give is just put yourself out there. Um, Take opportunities that come your way. Learn your craft, like really learn your craft. Um, The hardest thing is to find out. uh, You don't know what you don't know, right? So like when a lot of people uh, who want to get into games who don't have a game dev program don't have someone to tell them, this is what you don't know, go learn it. Um, So I would say seek out those things that you don't know uh, and learn it. And... That should get you there uh, if you got a little bit of luck. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, just a question for you, like, so um, I gotta know. So, so how did it feel when you first uh, found out that you got the job with uh, Naughty Dog? Because I know that's something that you've been working towards for quite some time, right? That was kind of like a dream company for you. Yeah, I grew up playing Jack and Daxter, um, so damn, it felt good. <laughs> um, I mean, at the same time though, like I I worked on The Last of Us Two from uh, Visual Arts, um, mm-hmm. so I kind of knew a lot of people at the studio, um, and I was comfortable with their tools and stuff. So really, like work wise, day to day, not much changed. But uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Like <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> so it sounded like your your journey to Naughty Dog was by design, right? And you knew, you knew that you wanted to work there. What were the actual steps that you took to like go through the application process? And like, did you wait for the job to open up before you applied or did you know it was coming beforehand? Like, what was that process for you? Yeah, I wasn't actually like 
waiting for an opportunity to go to Naughty Dog. Um, I I never really like I've always liked the idea of working there, but um, it was never my like end goal to go to Naughty Dog. But um, it's just another one of those situations where um, it's something that I knew that I'd like to do, and the opportunity arose, uh, and then I just jumped on it. Um, so it's not like there was much pre-planning. It was just <laughs> I could see a path, uh, and I just went down that path. Yeah, and the cool thing for you is since you've been using Unity and, and been so familiar with game dev for so long, you've probably had the chance to experiment with a lot of different areas of development, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, especially not... Yeah, when you don't know <laughs> what you want to do, you know, <laughs> but you know you want to do game dev, you, you end up trying a whole bunch of different things. Um, but I, it turns out I hate animating. <laughs> I hate <laughs> animating so much. I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Dude, let's work on a game where you do the music too, because I know you can. I know you're a musician as well. <laughs> I am a. I'm a like mediocre musician at best, but I'll take you up on that. That sounds super fun. <laughs> Really? Yeah, let's do, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> and then I know that you're involved with lots of other organizations. Uh, you mentioned the Game Development Club. Um, I believe I've seen you at uh, IGDA, uh, International Game Developers Association, participated in some game jams with you. Mm -hmm. What are some other organizations that you're a part of that we haven't mentioned yet? Hmm. These days, um, I haven't had much time to do other things. Um, and also, you know, with the pandemic, <laughs> there hasn't been much opportunity to. Um, but yeah, I've mostly been focusing, when it comes to like community, game dev community stuff, I've mostly been focusing my energy on like people in my circle um, who are trying to get into the industry um, and then helping out like every once in a while when I see there's someone coming up into a leader leadership position in the game dev club, I'll reach out to them and say like, Hey, I, you know, I recognize that you're doing a good job and hit me up if you have any questions, that type of thing. Um, so I haven't been like going out to any other organizations. I've mostly just been trying to help out the people I'm currently connected with. Gotcha. Just keeping a small group of, uh, like a small circle of people that are into game development that you, um, that you consistently work with. So how do you choose those people that are in that circle? Because I'm guessing that it's, it's not just random people, but there are certain like characteristics that you look for in the people that you work with and collaborate with. Can you give some in insight into that? For sure, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to see when someone cares a lot about their craft. Um, like, people who are working on their craft and, like, maybe posting some of their work or um, even people who are asking questions about the craft and, and just trying to... trying to <laughs> Those people are trying to gain skill and gain information. Uh, it's obvious. Uh, and those are the people I always want to help out because I remember being in their spot. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not hard to find those folks. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of people like that, but it's super easy to see um, when you come across them. 
Yeah, man. Something I always loved seeing that you did in the club was um, after you kind of stepped down from the leadership position, you would stop by every once in a while and just kind of chill in the corner with your laptop. And you always seemed pretty busy. But like if someone approached you, you were always super willing to help them out, explain what you were working on and basically ask it, answer any questions that they had in regards to game dev. Because um, I'm sure like we'd mentioned you a lot in the club, so they knew of you, but had never actually met you before. So that was always really cool to see. Yeah, for sure. And like, I wouldn't be where I am without the people who took a chance on me and, and helped me out. Uh, like Sean, like I mentioned a few times, that guy's awesome. Um, appreciate him a lot. There was another uh, alumni named uh, Mike Gonzalez. That guy, he's like the he's a product manager or something. Um, he does IP stuff for Blizzard now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he helped uh, connect me with some folks. He, he connected me with uh, the CTO of that AR company that I worked for, Intern Core. Um, and just like yeah, it's just it. it uh, I I wouldn't even call it paying it forward or or whatever. Like it's not even about the karma. It's just like this industry. Like getting into this industry is so much easier when you have someone pulling for you. Uh, and I just want to do that for people uh, because they're people who did it for me. That's awesome. And then you mentioned like the people that have helped you out and kind of helped mentor you to get into the industry. What were the, what what made you want to continue to interact with them? Like obviously you made a connection somehow, but then that relationship kept growing. It, it wasn't just like a one-time meeting. Like what were the experiences that led you to keep like keep in touch? Was it you being proactive about reaching to them, or was it vice versa? Like how did that work out for you? Um, I mean, every situation is kind of different, um, but. <laughs> Myself, from my early college years, I feel like I was kind of, um, I'm a huge introvert, um, and I'm not very good at the social stuff. Honestly, I'm not very good at the social parts of networking. Um, So I think it's more that I found really, like, awesome, compassionate people who wanted to help me, (laughs) because it was mostly them, like, reaching out, um, or people... Um, connecting me with other folks um but yeah there definitely there was a degree of um you know maintaining those relationships you have to maintain those relationships um and i think it took a while for me to lint to like for it to click that it's like you want to help other people out too it's like these people are helping you be grateful and like you know, it, you can help other people out too. It's not a one-way street. Um, so, yeah, it it makes it makes this industry much easier to have friends um, and colleagues that you have this mutual. You know, uh, you're ready to help each other. You know, it's a community. Yeah, and I don't I don't think we went into this, but um, you mentioned moving laterally between positions. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever do a formal application process for for the positions that you have now? Once. My only application was for Naughty Dog. Um, Oh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and that was, like, they know me, um, so it was mostly formality, kind of, um, Mm -hmm. but 
it, you know, I still went through the interview process and all that. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like I got my job at PlayStation as I, as I explained to you. And then, actually my first day, uh, was an interview. It was my interview. Uh, and I walked <laughs> around the studio with the, um, one of the directors and he was telling me about the job and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought I was like, I thought they were still like screening me to see if they wanted to hire me. And then mm-hmm. they walked me to uh, into the studio and they're like, and this is your desk and this is your PC setup already. What? I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, the other um, the other job at Visual Arts, um, I was working at Creative at the time, um, and. The technical art director over there at the time, um, when I think he's at That's No Moon now, uh, great guy, like super great guy. I miss working with him. Um, he had me work on some stuff for them just on the side because they needed extra help uh, in mm-hmm. tech art and creative. Um, kind of was fine sharing the time. Uh, and I was over there, you know, working on some stuff, really enjoying the stuff I was doing for them. Um, and offhand, I said something like, uh, yeah, this stuff is really interesting, Some, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why don't you just work with us? Like, why don't you just apply? Why don't you just stay here? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I did. <laughs> and that's, that's what happened. Um, so, yeah, it's very much been organic uh, moving between studios. Um so yeah and and as you can see it's about making relationships it's if you want to go somewhere um if you want to do something um it's usually easier when someone knows who the heck you are (laughs) over there where you want to go and um so in our previous episode we interviewed someone who also worked at your studio and they mentioned working on different projects so can you kind of explain I think the San Diego studio has a kind of a different setup than, say, San Mateo or Santa Monica studio, right? Um, don't you guys interface with, um, or can you can you explain any, any of that, like how how it works with like the projects that kind of go through you guys? Yeah, I actually don't work there anymore, so I don't I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to speak for them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just like anything but, you can, nothing that like, you know. But yeah, it's a. PlayStation Visual Arts is a visual arts department in PlayStation. So they work on a bunch of different games. Um, that That's all I could probably say about it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, don't want to pry too hard on that one for sure. <laughs> and then moving forward, like, I know that you have this amazing position at Naughty Dog right now. How do you see your career evolving down the line? Like, is that even something that you thought about? Or are oh. you just kind of taking it and letting your letting your career grow organically? Yeah, I'm not the type of person that, uh, like, I'm the type of person that thinks about the future, for sure. Um, so I, I can tell you what I would like to do with my career. Um, I really enjoy... Um, I enjoy 
the part of the job that's understanding the creative vision for a game um, and helping everybody get on the same page and move toward that creative vision. Uh, that's one of the big reasons I like doing game jams um, is because I really like helping everybody come up with this cool idea for a game and then I like having a top-down understanding of it and helping everybody get to that finish line um, and making something cohesive. So way down the line, I'd like to be a director um, because of that. Um, I know right now that uh, where, I'm, where I'm at in my career, I'm not ready for even to be a lead. Um, I think that um, I don't have I don't have the people skills yet. <laughs> I don't have the organizational organizational skills yet. Um, but yeah, like I'd like to eventually become a senior tech artist, maybe principal, move laterally into a lead position when I do get those people skills, um, and then at some point be a director because what I really really like is just having that top down. It's not even about, like, I know for some people who want to be, like, from the outside, when you want to be a director, um, you want to be the person with control, you know? Uh, it's not about having control. Uh, it's about understanding the top level of whatever department you're in, understanding the top level of tech art, understanding the, you know, the top-down, understanding of the art direction, whatever, um, and being able to help the people who are doing like the lion's share of that work helping them stay on the same page and get to that goal and that's something i'm really interested in so it's way down the line but we'll see and one of the things that you mentioned that kind of kind of blows my mind a little bit is you were you're talking about improving your people skills now mm -hmm. from my understanding from your like this experience that you have it's amazing people skills that helped you get to where you are, the networking, the help helping other people. Where do you think you have opportunities to grow to get to that, to get to that director level position? Mm. Yeah. So this is stuff I've just been thinking about now um, and trying to work on, but um, just the basics, like <laughs> I'm terrible at public speaking. I feel like I'm doing pretty good here at this interview, but generally I'm terrible at public speaking. Uh, like when I need to sit in front of uh, an audience and like give them some information, I'm awful about that. Like <laughs> it's so bad. And that's a big part of being a director or a lead is keeping everybody informed. Um, that's one thing I need to work on. Um, another thing is just like you have to be able to... Um, you have to be able to connect with everybody um, on your team. Um, like kind of on a personal level, like you have to be able to connect with them and know them. Um, I'm not very good at that. Uh, I'm, you know, I've got my close friends. Um, I connect with people who uh, have similar interests to me. Uh, but generally just like <laughs> if, if someone doesn't have general, you know, interests that are the same as me i have trouble with that type of connection so it's those like nitty-gritty people skills of being able to be that person who makes everybody comfortable um yeah i i gotta work on that 
Dude, that's that sounds really cool. Um, personally, that's something that I've actually been looking to improve in myself as well. And in mm-hmm. fact, just yesterday, I went to the bookstore, um, and uh, I those two topics, right, relating to people and public speaking, were what I was looking at. I didn't pick it up, but there's a book I'm looking at on emotional intelligence, and I did pick up a book called "Do I Make Myself Clear" by Harold Evans. Um, I already read a chapter of it, but basically, it goes into um, like communicating with others, um, and it, it's it's a really interesting perspective. It mentions that like we're in this age of social media where we want to have information short, digestible, and concise, but it's kind of done the complete opposite because of the limited word counts, right? It's designed to fit easily onto someone's cell phone screen. So somewhere along the way, we lo- we lost that art of communication that we used to have before, like social media was as prevalent as it as it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. I I wrote that down. Um, but yeah, dude, it's um, it's not. I feel like it's much easier to grind and and get those hard skills down. It is than it is to get your soft skills uh, in a good spot. So, we'll ch- let's chat some more about that because <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's um, that's definitely something that. Not, I feel like I don't hear a lot of people talking about it, mm-hmm. but it's important. Yeah. It's important stuff. Yeah. It was something I realized in myself. I was trying to send like a simple Slack message and it took me longer than it should have to explain myself efficiently. And like, I feel like it was so easy to wing it in, in English classes in high school and college, but it was always a, a different style of, of writing that they taught you. It wasn't persuasive. It wasn't how to work on a team, how to effectively communicate yourself. So. I realized a deficit, a deficit in my skill set that, you know, that I'm trying to work on and improve now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and something I've found in what I've, the, the way I've started to improve these skills is um, I'm actually lucky my fiance, she is like the most social person you can meet. She's like, she makes friends with everybody. Like I can have an interaction where I'm like, man, I can't stand. We'll get out of an interaction. I can't stand that person. She's like, oh, no, they were fine. They were great. You got to just, everybody's nice and awesome. I'm like, okay. So I've been trying to take cues from her. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how, how the heck people um, people are able to just connect with everybody. But, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a it's going to be a journey. Uh, getting to that point definitely one of the things that stands out to me is that you mentioned that like a fear of public speaking yet the way that you got your first job at playstation was after a presentation right? <laughs> and i was terrified yeah and you're terrified and like one of the cool things is like knowing that you have room to grow um and that's something that i do in particular is just love reading consuming books learning how to improve my skill sets and something that i've come across is uh, actually in a book called from good to great by jim collins where they did uh, studies of a lot of different um leadership styles in organizations and one of the things that they found in a lot of these really great companies they've got leaders that are that show very introverted characteristics and it's interesting because in society, a lot of times we see the big brash leader, you know, the big voice, the person that's most uh, outspoken. Those are the ones that get most of the recognition. 
But the truth is a lot of leaders out there are like very effective leaders are introverts and we don't know about them because they don't mm-hmm. shine the light on themselves. Mm-hmm. They shine the light on the others around them. Gotcha. So as an introvert, as you're improving your, your leadership and your communication skills, I know one of the things like that I've had to deal with is making myself want to be like a person that I'm not like seeing those extroverts, extroverts out there and saying, I need to be more like him instead of finding my true voice and how do I be effective leader with my own natural skills. Um, so I totally get the communication leadership and just building up skill sets. So, um, good to great by Jim Collins level five leaders is the, uh, that's the, the little topic that they have in there. Um, highly recommend it for, for introverts like us, right? I wrote it down as soon as you mentioned it. Yeah, I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just being just the challenge of being an introvert and making those connections, something that's been helpful for me, you've touched on it already, is just finding ways to add value to other people and genuinely like take interest in what are the things that they're looking for and being able to provide that to them. Um, I know there have been other people in, that have come across in your life where it was unexpected, but instead of you being the one that was lucky where they helped you out, they were lucky in that they met you and you were able to help them out. Can you, you already kind of mentioned one of those situations where you were talking to someone and you say, hey, did, did you want to work on this project? And you kind of transition to there. Has there been anything the other way around where you help somebody else out and then it really kind of snowballed into something in the future? You know what I mean? Let me see. Um, let's see. I mean, let's see. I mean, Kane, I guess, um, is one of the folks that uh, you know, he was, I met him as a freshman in college, um, and he just was, like I mentioned, when you see those people who, like, really care about your craft, you just, you can recognize it uh, immediately. He was one of those people, like, as soon as I met him, I knew, like, he is going to do something awesome, um, so uh, I, I just wanted to help him out, um, because he, he reminded me of myself, too, just like, wanting just a thirst for knowledge, you know? Um, so, you know, he ended up like, we ended up chatting and, um, he, um, we'd bounce each other, bounce ideas off each other for the years he was in college and, um, worked on some projects together. Uh, and when he graduated, uh, he was looking for a job and we needed a tech artist. It was about the time I was moving to Naughty Dog. Um, we needed a tech artist at visual arts, so I recommended him for that. Um, he didn't need my help. <laughs> that guy, he he he's a smart dude, uh, and he was going to he's going to kick ass either way. Um, but you know, I, I was in the position to help him, so I did. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like other people did for me, uh, and that that's what I mean. It's much easier to get get by in this industry when you've got. Um, people that you're looking out for and people looking out for you. Um, 
yeah, I, I am excited to see what Kane does. He's just recently in the industry, but he's going to, like, I've already heard from um, his leads um, that I still chat with that visual arts that he's kicking ass. So hopefully that snowballs. I know that's going to snowball into something. That's awesome, man. <laughs> and um, as we near the end of the episode, um, are there any, like, parting words of advice that you'd like to give to our audience? Um, I know we talked a lot about, um, like, we worked on a bunch of personal projects finding your niche, going from graphics programming to making things pretty with technical art. So um, are there any um, any things that, uh, any takeaways that our audience can have for that? And is also, um, what, where can people find you, like uh, social media, LinkedIn, stuff like that? Um, okay. So the first part, uh, parting words of advice, um, no advice is good advice. <laughs> <laughs> just evaluate your situation and do what you think is best um find out what you love to do and go deep um you know you might be learning things that are kind of tangential to what you end up doing like i went too deep on i went very deep on graphics programming and now i'm a tech artist but now i've got that tangential knowledge and when i need to hop in and do you know graphics programming stuff i can do that um so Go deep. Figure out what you love to do and go deep. It's going to suck if you start to go deep on something you hate. So just <laughs> find what you like, go deep. Um, and um, I mean, I guess the last thing is just don't be afraid to reach out to people. Um, don't be afraid to lean on people. Chances are you're going to find someone who wants to help you. Um, and just be open to helping people back and some combination of those things, some combination of listening to my advice and not listening to my advice <laughs> will probably get you where you want to go. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, and social media, I don't really do, uh, but you can um, post my LinkedIn on this uh, chat if you like. Okay. Awesome, man. And, uh, well, that concludes this episode of the Empower Podcast. Um, thanks again, Barry, for agreeing to come on. Um, I know you were busy this weekend with other stuff, so it was nice that you yeah. that you made the time for this. No problem. It's always nice chatting. Yeah, good catching up with you guys too. Yeah, man, definitely. Stuff. Thank, um, you, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, so, just wanted to let you guys know that we are on YouTube now. Um, you can find us at Empower Podcast. We're usually the top result on there. Um, as well as um, Spotify um, and basically anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, so yeah, you can watch us on there and also uh, follow us on Twitch if you want to um, get notifications for when we go live and stuff like that. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Peace out.